That sounds real Christmassy, right? Like Emmanuel, God with us, and it makes a great Christmas card, and it makes a great couple songs on the radio. But I think we're doing a terrible job as Christians believing and clinging to that truth that God is with us. That's not just like a God's with us. Like the, no, like it's a part, it's his name. He is the God who is with us. That should change everything, right? That should be such a flip in the way that we think. Like what a core truth to know that God is not out there. It doesn't say his name will be called Emmanuel, God watching over us, even though he is. His name will be God with us. He is with us. That's a big deal. Amen. So the next few weeks, we're going to talk about that. But here's what I want you to walk away with. This is just kind of an intro. Uh, I got four points for you this morning. I got just kind of an intro to the, to the next couple weeks. But here's what I want you to walk away with. I want you to know that God is with you like you know any other truth that you've been taught. So anything that you know is an absolute fundamental, like like cauliflower crust is not pizza. Amen. Like you know that is a truth. <laughs> I want you to know that you know. Maddie, I'm used to her sitting over here, and then she's over here, and I'm praying in the wrong places. I don't even know what's going on, this stupid Christmas stuff over here. Didn't they do a great job? They did a great job. I'm a little bit sad about it because these windows, I believe, have been a part of my life for like six years. I've moved them from house to house and Jessica said, someday I will use those ratty, fragile, you know, like stuff that men want to get rid of. And so this is the one day that I'm sadly upset they did get used. So, but they did a great job, Jess and the rest of the team putting it all together. And we're so blessed and it's anointed because that tree over there is everlasting. But I want you to know as a know, as a know that you know. There's things you get taught growing up that you know, that you know, that you know, that you cannot put a can of gasoline next to a flame. You know that. And you would tell a kid, like, don't, you know, because it's such a truth that you should know. All of these things that you know, that you know, that you know. Uh, our kids, they love their little sister. She's five. So there is, you know, she, or five months old. Uh, and so there's a lot of it, and they want to hold her, and they want to, and so there's a lot of kids you cannot shake your sister, right? We know that we know that you can't shake a baby. Amen. And, uh, and so there's, you know, all of these things that you know that you know that you know they're a core that you have to get. And I want us to do that. Just as much as we know you don't mix gasoline and fire, all of these big churches, we need to know that God is with us. He's with us. Uh, the scripture says uh, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That's it in the Old Testament in a prophecy. And then in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, it said, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. As I just mentioned, not God watching us. Not even God praying for us, even though all of those things are happening. He wants us to know that you've been given a God who is with you. Not watching, not praying, not all, he's with us. He's literally operating with us. It's a huge deal to understand that you are in the presence or you are also participating with God. Uh, back in the day when NASCAR was a really big deal, uh, we would watch NASCAR. We lived in North Carolina, which is where NASCAR comes from. And um, 
And so we would go down to the NASCAR races. And so I took Jess with me one year and we went down and um, I've, for, I've asked for forgiveness. I've repented of these sins. But I began to notice at certain times they would open the gate to the racetrack and just these herds of people would walk down to the pits. And so half of success in life is just acting like you belong there. And then, you know what I mean? And so I'm like, hey, Jess, we're, you just stay close to me. She's like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Just stay close to me. And so just walked into the mob and then just walked right down into the pits where all the drivers and the cars were and I'm in the middle of it. And so I just kept that mentality. And so once we're in there, we just started following mobs of people. Oh, look, there's people with cameras and like video things. Let's just follow that group. And so one time uh, I'm down there. And my parents and some of my buddies, all of us that are watching NASCAR, uh, what they do before they start the race is they close the track. You know how many know you've never like seen anyone like at halftime run across the track and get out of the track? Once you're in, you're in. You understand what I'm saying? And so I waited too long. I was enjoying like meeting all the drivers. And they do this parade lap where you go around, the driver gets off a truck. Well, I wanted to meet Dale Earnhardt Jr. So I was like, hey, I'm going to wait for him to get off his truck and to get his autograph and say, hey. And um, I don't care if they close me in the track. I'll figure it out, right? And, uh, and so they closed the track. Well, I'm not. So I had Nextel at the time. Everyone's yelling at my phone, Josh, where are you? Where are you? It was literally the national anthem. And the only other thing I thought, I, you know, like I didn't know what else to do. They were all lined up. All the teams lined up by their car. Literally, if you would have looked down, there's me standing behind a team acting like I'm supposed to be there. <laughs> my buddy's yelling in my phone, like, get out. You know, I'm like, I'm trapped. <laughs> and uh, it was fantastic. But one of the times... All the media, all the covers, they're walking toward this large, almost barn. They call it their garage, but it's this big open room. And you walk into that room, and so I'm like, Jess, just stay with me. We're walking in here. I don't know where they're all going, but there's a lot of attention behind it. Let's just stay with them. So we get in there. Once we get in there, we go behind this black curtain. It's the driver's meeting. I mean, it's everyone. They're sitting in a room. Like, it would be as if I walked right into that back door. Dale Earnhardt Jr., Richard Petty. I mean, everybody is sitting in there. Jeff Gordon, no one cares about him, but Jeff Gordon's there. Jimmy, everybody's in there. And all of a sudden, I realize I'm with some people now. Do you understand what I'm saying? So as an NASCAR fan, you're like, this is awesome. I'm with these drivers. I'm, I'm in the driver's meeting. And Jess is like Googling how to divorce a husband, right? Like, I don't but I'm like, I'm in here with them. I'm texting my buddies. Like, I'm in that. They're like, no, you're not. I'm sending pictures. I'm like, I'm in here. I'm, I'm with. So you're excited about who you're with. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then they have gentlemen start your engine people. And then they have the uh, grand marshal. So the guy that like waves the flag to start the race in North Carolina. So then Steve Smith, an all pro wide receiver comes out. He makes like uh, the Pro Bowl every year for the Carolina Panthers. Just a great wide receiver. He comes into the room standing right with us which we kind of have a beef, you know, like if I ever saw him, I would maybe think about doing something to him. Uh, he's probably the top three toughest wide receiver of all time. So that's why I haven't attempted anything yet. I couldn't, <clears throat> I couldn't find the picture, but he's, he's standing there. And so I'm like, Hey, can I get a picture? So I'm like taking a picture with him. And he's like this, he's like, he don't even, I mean, he's just straight mug face. Jess is like, I want a picture. I'm like, why do you want to be? You don't even know this guy. She stands next to him. He's all smiling. What's up? I'm like, Steve, come on, dude. I think we need to go, but you would kill me here. So, so Steve Smith's there. We're taking pictures. It gets even better. I'm like, oh, text me. Oh, I'm with Steve Smith right now. And then Michael Jordan walks in the room. I'm not kidding you. Now, you got to remember, at that time, the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. Like, I grew up. You remember we have VHSs. And on a VHS tape, if you watch it too much, it's worn out, stretched out. 
There was this basketball thing about Michael Jordan called uh, Michael Jordan's Playground. We watched that so many times. We literally burned out the VHS tape. My generation of kids, like every kid on the playground played basketball with their tongue out. Millions of kids because Michael Jordan did it. What a dumb thing, right? Like all of us like, oh, we better stick our... So stupid. But Michael Jordan walks into the room. I'm of that era. Okay, and I'm like, guys, I'm with Michael Jordan. But I wasn't with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I was, but God is with us now. You guys are still missing it. Isn't it funny how we get so excited about, oh, if I could ever meet, if I could ever be around, if I could ever land that job and be in that company or that neighbor, we get all excited about these presences that we can be a part of. But if you woke up in the morning and realized that you were standing with God because he's with you, it would make a difference. And God cares so much about us knowing that, that literally the name of God is, hey, I've sent you this Savior, and he's a God who's with you. It's a huge deal. It changes everything. So point number one, before they put it up, Doug texted me. He was like, hey, that, that sounds really stupid. That, that doesn't make any sense how you type that out. I said, it's my point. Let me say it how I want to say it. So don't change it, Doug. But God created us to be with us. God created us, think about that, to be with us. People will hold on. He created us so that we'd give him glory and we could, yes, all that is true. But his heart in creation, and I can prove it and I will in just a minute, but God created us to be with us. Think about that. The, the guy who hung the stars and created the universe and put all of these things in place. He did all of those things saying, I want all of this in place so that I can experience it and participate in it with my kids. Think about that. The creation of everything is God saying, I want to be with you. I want to be with you, experiencing things with you. And then uh, we have these ideas of like, oh, we better find a way for us to be in good favor with God. We're always like trying to put all these equations together to hope that God's happy so that we... No, God desires to be right where he is with us. Amen. Think about how religion's done a really bad job with this. If the strength of our God is that he's with us, God is with us, then the enemy's done a really good job of convincing us that the power comes from some necklace that we wear and pray to. Or other religions, it's if you build a statue and if you worship that... How great is it that we have a God that says, I'm not a necklace, I'm not a statue, I'm not some far off in the distance. I'm a God who's with you. It changes absolutely everything. In the beginning, he proved it with Adam and Eve. He said, my voice is with you, I'm with you. In the garden, he's, he's among them. Isn't that amazing? So I want you to know, especially into this holiday season, as you're you know, facing different things and there's all this different stuff, you're going into all of this with, the, with God. He's with you. He's alongside you, participating with you. You're not on your own on this. You're not going to be teamed up against. you got God. Amen. Point number two that we really need to know about this God is God won't leave you. Hebrews chapter 13 promises that God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. This is where it gets hard at the holidays, right? Where you have to see that person who backstabbed you or you have to go into work and that person is, you know, planning against you. You can tell that person's trying to do this thing against you and you're going like, oh, I got this situation. Maybe someone's neglected you, abandoned you. This season brings up a lot of that kind of stuff. But guess what you have? You have God with you who promises he will never leave you or forsake you. Yeah, all that stuff matters and it hurts, and it would, but it doesn't compare to the fact of what you have. God with you. 
He can heal that. He can restore that. He can be a part of all of that because he's a God who's with you and his promise is, I'm not going anywhere. Others may abandon, others may neglect, others may be, but God's not going anywhere. He's the God who's with us. If we can get this as a fundamental, it makes everything more successful. When you go into that meeting, yes, you have your presentation or your plan, but guess what else you have with you? God. When you go home, you have God. When you uh, are in prayer, when you come to church, all these places that you go, God is working and he's among you. Amen. Isn't it interesting, though, how we spend our energy? We say, God is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. But then we spend so much other time, more time chasing people and their dysfunctional situations, trying to get them to be with us. This went wrong. This got neglected. This got to be, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then we just spend all this energy going over there to make sure they're still somehow a part of our life. When God is like, I'm God and I'm with you. Does that make sense? I hope you can put it just in, in thoughts that work for you is what are the things that like you chase and go, if I can get that in my life, then I'll be happy. If I can just get that to be a part of what I'm doing, then I'll be happy. It's like, no, we have God with us. The rest doesn't matter. The scripture says, if we seek him first in his righteousness, he says that everything else get added to us. He knows the things that we need and he'll put those in your life, but we shouldn't live in a way that we chase those things. Amen. He's with us. So he's with you. He'll never leave you. Point number three is the plan is to be with you always. God's plan, not only is it, hey, God uh, created everything, put everything in place. He's with us in the beginning. He created to be with us. But the plan from the beginning of it all is to be with us forever. You say, well, what are you talking about? John 3, 16, the fundamental scripture that we all believe points out how much God desires to be with us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Where's that eternal life? with God. The whole plan. He created us and then sin came in and it separated us from him. So then he sent his son, his only son, his perfect son to die so that what? We could be back together because what's God's heart? To be with us. So then he redeems. And then when we confess and we believe, then guess what we get to do? Spend eternity with God. Because the whole plan in this whole thing is for us to know that what? God is with us. You don't have to figure it out by your own might, your own thoughts, your own wisdoms, your own things. Why? Because God is with you participating, working. Amen. So the plan is for him to always be with him. Point number four, my last point I'll spend a little bit of time on. Hebrews chapter four, uh, verse 15. It says this, for we do not have a high priest who cannot. Let me give you the point first, point four. Emmanuel, God with us, understands. Emmanuel, God who is with us, understands. He understands everything we face. He understands the things we have not yet faced. Amen. He understands all of it. He understands your past. You may be in a relationship that you're with somebody and you weren't a part of their past. You weren't a part of their history and things happen in your relationship. And you, you're like, I don't know why you act like that. I don't know why you do. You don't understand because you haven't been there. But the scripture says that God is the beginning and the end. He understands where you've been. He understands where you are and he understands where you're going to go. He understands all of it. God with us. That's somebody we should pay attention to. Amen. Hebrews 4, 15. It says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, 
yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. It's saying about our Savior, and many of you have heard me teach this before, but it's saying about our Savior, you can never look at God or Jesus, you can never look at him and say, well, you don't understand. You don't get it. You'll never know. He does know. God from heaven came down to earth, took on flesh and blood, so he can be the God who can look at you and say, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to live here and be abandoned. I know what it's like to live here and be talked about. I know what it's like to live here and be falsely accused. I know what it looks like to live here and lose everything. It's kind of hard to run that list against God because Jesus faced it all. And it says because he faced it all, it gives us the ability to come to him and access grace in time of need. He's a God who's with us, and he's a God who understands. How many of you have ever felt so out of place when you're around some people and, uh, and they're talking about something that you don't understand? Uh, my dirt bike, I was talking to a mechanic who helps me with some of my dirt bike stuff, and um, there's a carburetor, which is a way of like essentially fueling to your bike, and then on the newer bikes, there's fuel injection, which it electronically tells the gas what to do. And so I was talking to my mechanic about, you know, making changes to my dirt bike and these two things. And so I'm not very understanding about this process. I don't, I don't know anything about it. And so I'm on the phone with him and I'm, I'm, I'm off the cuff saying like, yeah, there's this chain, you know, I want to go carburetor, fuel injection, there's this thing. He's like, oh, okay. And he's like, so then with the muffler and we'll take the thing off and then the muffler and then the, what that's going to do is it's going to cause this thing to go. And so then what we're going to have to do is remap your, your fuel injection. And so when your fuel injection's remapped, you know, then you're going to want to decide the number that you want for the low. And the, so what number would you want? And I was like, 777, seven, seven, seven. God's number? Is that, is that a number? <laughs> But you're sitting, you've been, maybe been in a room, somebody's talking about something, right? Maybe you're not a sports person, you're around a sports person, and you're just, or you know, they're talking, women talking about decorating or something, and, and you're standing there and you're just like, I don't belong in this conversation. I just don't understand it. Like, it all sounds like gibberish. It's all crazy. That's not God. You have a God who understands. He completely belongs and understands and sympathizes with everything that we face. Thank God we have a high priest who gets it and understands, and he's with us. There's no better example of this than childbirth. Uh, childbirth, men cannot sympathize with childbirth, right? You can't even come close to being like, I get it, I get it. Jess had a terrible labor with our first daughter, uh, almost a 40-hour labor. And, uh, and I remember uh, we were there, and she couldn't eat because... She would throw up, just all this stuff. It's a terrible situation. And so like almost 40 hours in a row, but there was lengths of time where her back would constrict and I would have to just keep rubbing her back. So she's sitting on like this yoga ball and, she's, and she just needs her back like completely kept loose. Well, after a little while, I'm, I'm, I'm rubbing her back and I'm doing this thing. But after a while, I'm kind of like, whew, <laughs> my arms right now, they are kind of hurting. <laughs> These arms are hit. And so you're like, you know, are you doing good? Do you want to try something else? You know, think if you, you know, and so obviously can't say anything, right? You know, it, it, I, it doesn't even compare. I can't even begin to sympathize with what she's going through. Uh, another thing that happened uh, in that same labor is uh, the ho hotel room. See, men, they're like, that was fun. We had that room. Uh, the hospital room had a, like a jacuzzi, 
and it also had all these sprayers. And so at times it would help her to have really hot water and to be with these sprayers and this jacuzzi thing. But then she would have a contraction and she would have these sprayers. And when she would have a contraction, she would just throw them. She would just let them go. And, and I'm in my street clothes. And so these sprayers are doing like a hose spraying all over. And the room also got to like 300 degrees. And so I'm in street clothes and I'm sweating and I don't get to be in the jacuzzi. She's just having a good time. <laughs> But she would, and it would spray, and I would get all wet. And, and I mean, you know, I couldn't be like, hey, stop dropping that. Like, you're being really selfish. These are all the clothes I have. I don't, no, I couldn't sympathize. I wasn't even close. But we have a high priest who can look at every single situation, and he's been there. He gets it. He can connect with you. He's like, yeah, I, I get it. They say the number one thing your heart can hear, psychiatrists say the number one thing, your heart can hear in a time of distress is when somebody says, I know, or I get it, or yeah, me too. I've been there. What it does on the inside of you. And that's what God did. He came from heaven to earth and said, I know. He grabs our hand and says, yeah, I I get it. I'm God. I'm with you. I understand. Isn't that amazing? I'll close with this. You can't look up at God and say, hey, God, um, You don't know what it's like to be denied by those closest to you. He knows. Um, Can't look at God and go, but God, I pleaded with you. If there was any other way and you didn't make another way, because he knows he did that in the garden, sweating blood, pleading, God, is there any other way? We've said that with God. God, is there any other way? He knows what that's like. He knows what that feels like. Persecution. God, I'm being persecuted. I don't know how you would allow me to go through it. They say these, these evil things, and these people talk this way about me, and they talk about that. And Jesus is like, yeah, and I know. Trust me, I know. Persecution really shouldn't even be a word that an American church believer should even be able to use. We say, oh, we're persecuted. Let me put you on a plane, and we'll show you persecution. Well, they, they talk bad about me when I go to church. Oh, is that it? They talk bad about you? Do you have to dig up your Bible from a coffee can in the dirt every single day just to read it because it's outlawed in your country? Abused. Can't ever look at Jesus and go, well, that abuse that happened to me, and it's very real and it's very true, and I'm not downplaying it. I'm not telling you get over it. What I'm saying is you can look to God and go, the abuse, and he says, I know. Happened to me. Are you you understand what I'm saying? Because God with us, he gets it. He knows. Well, I lost everything. Everyone walked out on me. Yeah, I know. I had that happen to me too. He's a God, not off in the distance, not one that you pray on a necklace to, not one that you look at some statue of. Are you understanding? He's a God that's with you, interacting with you, and wants to be a part of your everyday life. Let's give that the attention that it deserves. Some of you are in here and you say, well, I know all of that. Pastor, I've I've heard all that. I know all of that. That's not anything new to me. There's the difference between knowing something, having information, and then it being a truth in your life. And there's one statement that God challenged me on that will help you decide if you know this as a truth or it's just information to you. When you're facing something, do you say things like this? I don't know how I'll ever... Or do you say, I know God and I will. When you say things like it's only up to you, then we haven't grabbed the concept of Emmanuel. 
I don't know how I'll ever. I don't know how my family can did it. Wait a minute. It's not only you. It's you and God. It's not I'll never, I can never, I don't see how I can, because you're not called to on your own anyway. It's Emmanuel, God with us. And as soon as we know that it's not up to us, but it's up to we, God and I, are you with me? That's when the light bulb's gone off and we know that we understand and grasp Emmanuel, God with us. What I love about God is he always graciously pulls us toward him. He doesn't say, I'm the God who's faced everything and was without sin. And so I'm the, no, he says, I am the God who was without sin and faced the same things you face. So then you know what he says? So because of that, come to me, just get over here. We do the same thing to our kids. Oh, hey buddy, oh, you're messing that up uh, here. You know what? I know how to do it. Come here. Let me, let's do that. I know how to do this. We can do this together. Come on, let's do this because I want to be with you. Right? So that scripture in verse 16. Therefore, let us boldly come to the throne of grace. Not timidly, not ashamed, not scared, not boldly come to the throne. Because God is that, this high priest who's handled it, it gives us a great confidence that we can go to him boldly and be like, hey, I need some mercy here. I need to find grace in this time of need. And God who is with us will give us that. What an incredible blessing that we have a God who's participating and active in all that we do. He gets it. He understands. Amen.